My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 106 of The Kate Show. Guys, today we have a very juicy, awesome interview, and it's all about SEO. We're talking about how you can help Google find your website as a designer, stager, or a workroom. Because here's the thing. Making sure potential clients can find your website is crucial to running a successful business, and Google helps them find your site, but you have to help Google out. So search engine optimization, or SEO, is absolutely necessary for helping your website talk to Google, telling it all about what you offer, where you offer it, and the people you serve, basically your ideal client. Now, on the main level of this, it means having more than just pretty photos on your website. It also means that a website with very little text is going to rank low by nature of simply not giving Google enough keywords or information to index. But on a more advanced level, having good SEO means implementing specific tactics and tools to ensure that your website is doing more than just sitting on the internet. So if you're worried about being found in your local search results, such as when people search interior designers near me, and if you want real action steps to fix your SEO and your website, while avoiding those scammy SEO companies, you are going to love this episode. Now, first let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Our guest is Julia Bocchese, and she is an SEO consultant and a Pinterest consultant for creative small businesses. Her goal is to make SEO approachable and easy to implement for all small business owners so they can reach their ideal clients organically. She's from Philadelphia, and she lives with her Siberian Husky sidekick and her brand new husband. Little secret, he's Italian. It's so adorable. And on the side, Julia also runs a travel photography site, and she goes to grad school for history to study Vikings. So Julia is a very well-rounded person. She has knowledge in a lot of different areas, but today we are focusing solely on SEO, and you're going to get so much out of this episode, so let's dive right in. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Well, hello, Julia. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on board for this. I've had so many people ask me so many questions about SEO, and I know that a lot of the people listening aren't even sure what the heck SEO is, and I really want to dive into all of that. But before we do, I would love to hear more about you. Could you share a little bit about what your background is in business and what your niche market really is right now and kind of how that led you into the world of SEO? Yeah, so if you don't know what SEO is, don't worry, you're not alone. Um, most of the clients that I work with, they have no idea what it is. And it's actually why I got into SEO. So over four years ago, I was working um, like a corporate email marketing writing job. And it was pretty boring. So I needed a creative outlet. So I actually started a travel photography website. Still going. But I learned SEO optimization and Pinterest and other things from that. And then when I quit that job three years ago, I just transitioned into doing social media marketing and content writing. And then I was optimizing all the content for SEO because that's what I learned how to do for my own site and saw a lot of results with that. And then I realized that all the businesses I was working with, they had no idea what that meant. (laughs) 
So that's when I transitioned into actually focusing on SEO and, you know, teaching small businesses what it is. So I work with creative small businesses. So a lot of like interior designers and wedding photographers. And I really try to focus on teaching SEO um, when I work with my clients because it can be so confusing. So again, if you don't know what SEO is, don't worry. Most of the people that I work with have no idea what it is. They just know they need help with it. I love that there's a teaching element to what you do because it really pulls back the curtain on on SEO so that, I mean, quick disclaimer, I, I've worked with so many designers who, who say they've had terrible experiences with SEO companies. And I know that's something that we're going to discuss a little bit later on in the conversation, mm-hmm. but that is, it's easy to get scammed if you don't mm-hmm. actually know what you're paying for or how to measure the results. So let's just get into it then. Like mm-hmm. what exactly is SEO for the home industry? Is there a way you can explain it in layman's terms? Yeah, so SEO, it stands for Search Engine Optimization. So it has a lot to do with the user experience on your website. So you're really making your website easy for um, your audience to use, but also easy for Google to crawl your website and understand you know, what it is that you do, what your services are, where you're located. So that really boils down a lot to things like site speed, making sure your website's easy to navigate, and using the right language that people are searching for to find your services. And in terms of site speed, because I know I'm going to get a lot of questions once this episode Mm -hmm. airs, what should they be aiming for? Like, what's the ideal site speed and what are some things that can actually make it too slow? So optimal site speed, I would say, would be under three seconds um, if you can do that. I mean, even I struggle with getting like the perfect site speed. There are some websites where you can test it. One really easy one is Page Speed Insights, and it's run by Google, so they know what they're talking about. <laughs> but images can really slow down sites. I work a lot with like wedding photographers too, and of course they have a lot of photos, but they can really slow things down. So you want to make sure before you upload them to your website that you're already they're already a small size. I recommend no more than a thousand pixels on the longest side. I've seen a lot of people have like 8,000 pixels, which is massive. <laughs> you need that for printing, but not for a website. If you already have a lot of pictures on your website that are slowing things down, you can resize them on your website. And then I, if you're on something like WordPress, I recommend getting a plugin that will help press it. So it'll reduce a lot of the um, things going on in the picture without reducing the quality. And also, if your site design is you know pretty old and that you've been using the same template or worked with a designer like 10 years ago, there might be a lot of things that are you know slowing your uh, website down with that, a lot of like extra code and things like that. If you have any disabled plugins that are just sitting on your site, that can slow things down. So there are really a lot of things that can slow your site down. So I recommend using a free tool to kind of figure out exactly what's going on. I love that free tool, and I'm going to include that in the show notes for everyone because I know now they're all going to race over to their computer and be like, oh, no, what is my site speed? Mm -hmm. But that is such a good point as far as um, the pixel width images because I rant all the time about how designers, workrooms, stagers, you guys need to have professional photography. But the flip side to that is you have to then make sure those images are compressed. Mm -hmm. And like you said, without losing the quality, otherwise you are solving one problem. You've got a great portfolio, but you're creating another. By making your homepage, for example, load slowly. So that aside, are there certain SEO tactics that were once really useful and helpful? Um, You know, like you said, if you had a site designed 10 years ago and it was up to the standards 10 years ago, but now it's become like a junk drawer where there's just Mm -hmm. a lot of things that you don't need. Is SEO that way too? I mean, are there tactics that are just plain outdated but still being used today? Yeah, a big one that, you know, some, some of you guys may have heard about is keyword stuffing. So probably even longer than 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago, what people could do is they would, you know, say if it's interior designer in Richmond is the 
keyword that you're going for. What you could do is you could just type that out a hundred times and change the um, color of the font to white. So then the person reading it would have no idea that there's all this text, but Google would read that you wrote, you know, interior designer enrichment a hundred times and think that you must, you know, your site is qualified to rank highly for that. So some people are still kind of trying to trick Google like that. You definitely can't get away with writing the same keyword a hundred times anymore. You definitely look like spam to Google. But some people are still trying to kind of trick Google with these different tactics. So keyword stuffing is one of them where like you just try to work in that keyword as many times as you can throughout the post. But Google is so much smarter than it was 10 years ago. So even if you just use, you know, the keyword interior designer enrichment one time, Google knows what you're talking about. As long as the rest of the post is, you know, on that topic. If you use interior designer enrichment and then your post is about like your vacation in Costa Rica, like Google is not obviously going to rank you for that. So basically just trying to trick Google is not going to work. A lot of people think that like writing for the Google bots is going to help them, but Google can basically read like a human now. And you're also going to turn away your actual human audience if you're trying to write for robots because Google can see how long people stay on your website. So if they look at your post and it just looks like, you know, really short sentences with like keywords, you know, in every single paragraph, they're going to click away and Google can see that. So they're going to see that people don't think that your writing is quality and then it's going to hurt your rankings. And one thing, it's not really, I don't think it's like a tactic to trick Google, but you know, people have heard that writing blog posts can really help your rankings and it can, but a lot of people, you know, would try to write, you know, a blog post every single day because they, they thought it would help the rankings. But then, you know, how much can you say if you write every single day for a year? So the quality of the blog post would really suffer or they would just be like 200 words. So writing a blog post for the sake of writing a blog post is not going to help you. Like If you can only write one blog post a month, make sure it's you know super high quality and really helpful to your audience. And that's going to serve you a lot more than writing like, you know, 200 words, you know, every single day that are really about nothing. Mm. Amen to that. And I wish everyone could see the praise hands over here because <laughs> it's like, yes, don't stop writing for the Google machine. The Google machine is getting smarter than we are. Yeah. So, and you know, it's funny because at the end of 2019, I actually came across someone's website. I think they were having me do a website audit and they were using keyword stuffing, or I should say like their, their previous designer, because I was highlighting some text to copy and paste it just to discuss it with them and then all this other text came with it and I was mm. like what the heck <laughs> I hadn't seen that in so long yeah that's, oh. I'm surprised that people are still doing that that's a really old tactic have you seen the tactic where uh, people are creating a new page on their website for every city or town that they serve and it's like a duplicate each time but they just change out the location names mm-hmm yeah, and that's, that's not going to help you. <laughs> no, no. But uh, I ran across a company that was actually selling that as a service. Like each month, we'll create a new page on your website that will focus on one of your service areas. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Again, it's like, that's why this interview had to happen because <laughs> it was another SEO company who was trying mm -hmm. to sell something that's purely outdated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as far as SEO on a website, does it require ongoing maintenance or is it something that you kind of just do it right the first time and then maybe you mm -hmm. update it a couple years down the road? What's your take on that? Yeah, so I would say getting, you know, all the work that you can up front and then after that, you know, kind of just maintaining it, optimizing new blog posts that you have. Because unless you're changing the copy on your pages, you really don't need to be, you know, 
changing the optimization every single month, unless, of course, there's something wrong. But yeah, I would just make sure that you get everything, you know, optimized and you're good to go. And then going forward, you can just, you know, maintain it and make sure all your new blog posts have been optimized. I like to think of it as if you're building a house, you know, for all the designers or design build firms that are listening, if you're building a house, do it right the first time, have the right people in place performing the right actions. And then down the line, you may have to remodel part of it, mm-hmm. but you're doing all the right things up front. And that's going to make even the remodel so much easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what can people do right now to make sure their website is optimized for SEO? Or I know you, you mentioned a, a page loading speed tool they could use, but mm-hmm. is there anything else they can do just by even looking at their own site to know if it needs help or not? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is make sure that you have an SSL certificate. And this is what changes your website URL from HTTP to HTTPS. If that just sounds like gibberish to you, <laughs> you can, if you're like using Google, Google Chrome and you open your website, make sure that before your website URL, it has like a padlock. If it has like, you know, some red text or like an error sign or, you know, something else, that means your website is not secure. And this was something that went into place, I think, almost two years ago, where Google really wants sites to be secure because people are um, putting their email addresses in to sign up for, you know, your newsletter or, you know, if they're purchasing things on your website, they're putting their credit card information in. And if you don't have an SSL certificate, your site isn't as secure. So Google actually doesn't want to rank you as highly if you're not securing your client's information. That's a straight up penalty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'll never rank on the first page of Google because that's the phrase Mm -hmm. I hear all the time. Well, I want to be on the first page of Google, but then their site, it's not mobile Mm -hmm. friendly. It doesn't have security. It's like, well, you know, those are some pretty basic things. Yeah. Because Google really has, you know, the user in mind now. So they, you know, they only want to be ranking the best sites that are, you know, are helping people and, you know, making sure everything is secure enough to speed. And speaking of speed, <laughs> make sure that your site speed is good. So the reason behind this is not only is it good for your audience, but Google only has a certain amount of what's called like a crawl limit for every single website. So if your website's like, you know, 10 years old, you have a lot of blog posts, you have a lot of pictures, you know, a lot of content. If your site is really slow, Google can't actually go through every single one of your pages and blog posts and they're not going to be able to rank all of your web your entire website because they don't know what you know the pages are about that they haven't been able to crawl. So you really want to make sure that your site speed is good. So you know get that check. That would be my number one tip today is get that checked because I work with so many websites that are you know just crazy slow and people have no idea. Another thing that you can do is actually Google your website, like put your URL into Google. And then that is where you can see all of your title tags and meta descriptions. That's what people see when they, you know, look at your website. So even if your website is, you know, super fast, it looks great, you know, all of your content is helping your audience. If people, you know, find your website on Google and there's just like a bunch of gibberish in the meta descriptions, like I've seen, I've worked with a lot of people where they don't fill it in. So Google pulls the first text they see. If that's an image, then they're going to, you know, pull the text from the image. So. The meta description for their contact page could look like, you know, image.123.jpg, which that doesn't make me want to click on their website because I don't know if that website's legit and, you know, it just doesn't look very professional too. So make sure you have all your title tags and all of your meta descriptions written out for that. I can keep going. <laughs> yeah. And please, please do, because these are all really important tips. And honestly, another way um, someone could check the file names of their photos is if you right click and try to save it. What does your computer want to save it as? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because whatever file name you see, that's what Google sees. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm always harping on people about that. Like, <laughs> got to make sure that it's not full of gibberish. But yeah. by all means, continue. <laughs> so one thing that I always recommend is doing your keyword research. This can really overwhelm people. So like, if you don't know where to start, you can start with something just like Pinterest or Google. And if you just you know start typing in phrases, you know, even if you if you're like looking for restaurants near you, Google's going to auto-populate what you might be looking for. So you can see what Google thinks people would be looking for when you start typing in that phrase. Or if you want to get more advanced, then you can use like a keyword research tool. I recommend something called Key Search. It's, you know, pretty user-friendly, pretty like basic for people just getting started. But it'll actually tell you the keywords that people are searching for every month, what the monthly search volume is as long as well as what the competition is. So if, you know, you're trying to rank for a keyword for a blog post, and then you see that like all these interior design magazines are already ranking for it, and you know, they have, they're much more established than you, then you're probably not going to beat them very easily. So doing your keyword research to find keywords that you can actually rank for, and also keywords that people are searching for. So I've had the other end of the spectrum where people are trying to rank for keywords, that no one is searching for. <laughs> so oh, their no. stuff isn't, yeah, so they're not getting any traffic to their blog post because no one is actually looking for it. So if I'm an interior designer in, let's say, Dallas, Texas, and I am getting my website redesigned, what keywords should I try to rank for? Because I want people to walk away with a tangible idea of what phrases they should mm -hmm. be typing in to get an idea of what exactly is going on here. Yeah, so before you do keyword research, you should know like who your ideal clients are. So, you know, obviously if you're a local business, they're going to be in your area, but think how you can niche down, you know, even more. Like, are you an interior designer for people who have families or for people who are retired, you know, a luxury interior designer? Try to think of ways that you can niche down your keywords even more. Um, because if there's a lot of competition for interior designer in, you know, Dallas, Texas, but you probably don't want to be serving every single person who's looking for an interior designer. You really want to be serving the people who are looking specifically for your services. So even if you rank number one for interior designer in Dallas, Texas, but a lot of people are visiting your website and then leaving immediately because you're not for them, Google's going to see that. So you really want to make sure that you're using keywords that, you know, again, people are searching for, but also that match who your ideal client is and how you can serve them the best way. Oh my goodness. I, I wish I could get that printed and made, uh, <laughs> made into wallpaper and like put it in every interior designer's <laughs> office because unfortunately, especially when we're brand new to business, we, we meaning, you know, me or interior designers or any other creative business owner thinks that we will serve absolutely anyone who mm -hmm. is willing to pay us. And there is a level of desperation and paranoia because it's like, well, we have to pay the bills somehow. And if we start to niche down too much, are we going to end up turning people away? But I love that you point out we are not going to have good SEO if we're trying to serve everyone out there who mm -hmm. can afford us. Like that's not a good business strategy. It never has been. And I, I like that Google kind of forces people to niche down. So I'm getting that as an interior designer who's in, let's say, Dallas, Texas, specializing in families, you know, interior design that's great for a family life, what sort of phrase would I then be typing into Google? I mean, it could be anything from like, you know, interior designer in Dallas, Texas for family homes, or, you know, if you do a lot of work with like kids' playrooms, um, you can like niche down even further for something like that or like family-friendly interior designer in Dallas, Texas. I mean, honestly, just start typing things into Google and, you know, see what they auto-populate, and that'll tell you what people are searching for. 
Okay. Yep. And that is such a good tip because anybody can do it. If mm-hmm. you have access to Google, you can start doing your own <laughs> keyword research. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the difference between keywords and long tail keywords? So long tail keywords are, it just means like, it's like a short phrase. So that would be something like interior designer in Dallas, Texas for, you know, family. So just a keyword would be like a single word or like just interior designer. Got it. Okay. I wanted to make that distinction for everyone listening because this is such an overwhelming topic for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. Stay tuned. Does marketing your interior design, home staging, or workroom business give you anxiety? Guys, I get it. I used to hate marketing. That is, until I found a way to make it easy and simple. Now I share my secrets with all my members over at socialitevault.com. As a member, you get access to social media posts, captions, hashtag sets, email newsletters, client welcome packets, branded magazines, and more, ensuring that you'll have a complete sales funnel for attracting new clients even when you're asleep or just too busy to even think about your marketing. Turn those hours you spend worrying about your marketing into hours spent working on new client projects. Your business deserves high-quality marketing, and you deserve to get your time back. There is no contract required for this service, so head over to socialitevault.com to get started. Now, if people listening are ready to incorporate the right keywords and long-tail keywords into their websites, how do they do that without going nuts and turning into the keyword packers that we just got done talking about? (laughs) So I would actually recommend, you know, having some sort of keyword in mind, but then write your post or, you know, your page without the keyword. And then you can read back through and see where you can, you know, add it in naturally once or twice. Because I found a lot of people are so focused on the keyword that they try to fit it in wherever they can. And then it just, you know, reads like it was written by a robot. And then I would also recommend using keyword variations. So, you know, if it's an interior designer in Dallas, Texas, Google knows that is the same thing as Dallas, Texas interior designer. So don't like write awkward sentences just so you can like get the exact keyword in there. I found that so if you're using WordPress and you might be using this plugin called Yoast, which is really helpful for SEO, but they don't recognize keyword variations. So they, you know, will tell you that, oh, you're not using your keyword enough. And, you know, people panic and try to cram it in wherever they can. But Google is a lot smarter than like, you know, WordPress plugins. So just use your keyword variations. I would recommend if you're writing just like a 500 word post, don't use your keyword more than twice. You can use it in the title and then just like once or twice throughout the copy. Google's smart. (laughs) Google will know what you're talking about. So you don't have to try to trick them. Mm. You know, I feel like this takes a lot of pressure off people because it all goes back, as always, to know your ideal client and write for them. Mm-hmm. And Google can see and appreciate that. So along those lines, um, there are a lot of things that Google does to help businesses out. One of those being a Google business listing. But could mm-hmm. you kind of explain what that is and what its importance is? And I mean, are people placing too much emphasis on it or not enough? What's your take? I would say people aren't focusing enough on it. (laughs) Google My Business is great for pretty much any business, even a virtual business. Like I have a Google My Business page because this is where I can post, you know, any updates in my business. It's where I can get reviews and I can reply to reviews. 
So when people are, you know, searching for my website, they see reviews right away and they can know whether or not, you know, I'm a legit business and they want to work with me. You can set locations if you're a virtual business. You only serve specific locations or specific countries, but it can help your Google rankings because if Google sees that you are an active business, you're getting great reviews, you're, you know, doing these different things in your business, then they realize that you're connected with your website. So they're going to rank your website higher. But if you're a local business, it's really helpful because go back, going back to restaurants, if you're searching for restaurants near you, Google's going to show you a map right away that has all these different websites or all these different restaurants listed out. So that way you can see what is closest to you. So if you're, you know, trying to target a very local audience, then people can see, you know, how many interior design companies are near them or how many furniture stores are near them, something like that. It's also where you can, again, get reviews. You can put pictures if, you know, you want to display some of your work. You can put your locations, your hours, if you have a phone number, if you have a website, all that information you can put in one easy place for people to find. So that way they don't have to hunt down, you know, your website and try to find all this different information to contact you. It makes it easy for them to see, you know, all this information about your business in one spot. When it comes to uploading photos to that Google My Business listing, is there a certain interval of time where we should go add a new photo? Because I know that Google will send automatic emails saying, hey, you haven't posted in a little bit. So like, what's the deal with that? I haven't heard that you need to be posting like a specific number, you know, a month or something like that. I would just say update it whenever you have new pictures to share. Don't worry about doing it like every day. I would just, you know, try to do it once a month or something. Mm -hmm. So don't treat it like another social media platform. Yeah, because you also don't want to, you know, be overwhelming to the user. So if you post a photo every single day for a year, they're not going to go through all 365 of your photos. Like just post like a couple good ones once a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, that definitely helps. Now, there is a there's some confusion because Google, again, has a lot of ways to support businesses, but they've got Google My Business, Google Analytics, Google Search Console. How can people make sense of this? And do they need to use all three of those? Do they pick and choose? How do they play with each other? Like, just explain this because people are so gosh darn confused. (laughs) So I would recommend getting all three. It's really easy to set up. Don't worry. Even if you don't do anything with your Google Analytics or Google Search Console accounts for like a year, just get it set up so you can have the data going. So Google Analytics is basically, it's analyzing everything about your website. It's going to tell you who your audience is, where they're located, which is really important if you're a local business and you see that you're getting a lot of traffic from like a different country, then obviously something is not right with your website if you're not attracting, you know, your local area. It's going to tell you how much traffic you're getting, where people are coming from, like Facebook or Pinterest or Google. It's going to tell you the posts that have the most traffic, the ones with the least you can track the changes from, you know, week to week, month to month, year to year. So that way you can make sure that your business is growing over time. And then Google Search Console is similar to Google Analytics, but all of the information on it is only relating to Google. So it's going to tell you the exact keywords that are bringing people to your website. It's going to tell you keywords that people are typing in and they see your website, but they're not clicking through, which is really important because if you're ranking for a keyword that you're trying to, but people aren't clicking through, then maybe your keywords aren't aligned with, you know, what your title tag and meta description are saying. It'll also tell you if Google has found any broken links or other errors on your website, if Google can crawl and index all your pages, or if some of them are being blocked and Google isn't able to crawl them all. This is also where you can use something called a sitemap, which is it really just compresses all of the information from your website into one like file. And that way Google can read everything easily. So all of them serve different purposes. And I definitely recommend having all three. So I recommend even if you don't touch Analytics or Search Console for a year, get them set up because 
it's only going to start tracking your data from when you set it up. So if you want to see the data from the past month, but you just start it today, you're not going to be able to. But if you set it up today and then, you know, you want to look at the data in six months, you're going to have six months worth of data that you can look at. Good point. Yes, it is not retroactive in that way. So this brings up a really interesting point because all these services that are free, but then you add on there Google AdWords. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had someone say to me, well, I think I need better SEO, so I'm going to go do Google AdWords. It makes my skin crawl because, (laughs) well, I'm pretty sure you could tell us why, but what's your take on SEO and Google AdWords, and does one really affect the other, or is this something that we've been lying to ourselves, other people have been trying to scam us, or is there actually some correlation? There really isn't that much correlation. I would, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing Google Ads if you have the budget for it, but I would make sure that your site is set up and, you know, properly optimized before even touching ads because, you know, if your site is set up for the best user experience and Google can, you know, easily read everything, you're probably going to get a lot more out of your ads um, because people are going to, you know, click through your ad and then stick around for longer. So there's nothing wrong with doing ads, but I would make sure there's, you know, nothing wrong with your website first. Mm, absolutely. I mean, ads are not the end all be all. They're more mm-hmm. so a nice accessory. Mm-hmm. If you would like to use it as such. And, you know, that being said, a lot of people get sucked in with well, we're going to run Google ads for you and we're going to increase your website traffic and it's going to be fabulous and you're going to get all these leads. But I've worked with, and I'm not even kidding, designers who come to me and say, I've spent $9,000 on either SEO fees or Google AdWords and I got maybe 14 leads. None of them converted to paying clients and I'm devastated. I feel dumb. Like, I don't know what, how I got suckered into this basically. So you clearly know what you're talking about and you're very transparent, very knowledgeable. What signs of a scam-based SEO company can you share with us so that people can really start protecting themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've been scammed before, you're not alone. I actually work with a lot of people who have gotten scammed before. The first thing, you never ever want to work with a company that emails you and their email goes straight to their spam folder and they're guaranteeing you that they can get you the number one spot on Google. Do not <laughs> do not work with those scammy companies. So some signs would be if they're promising immediate results, um, that means they could be doing some like really shady things to get you to the number one result. And I mean, Google's really smart, but you can still trick them, but they're getting smarter. So if you're doing some shady things on your website or someone else's, Google's going to wise up to that sooner rather than later. And you could be facing worse things than just your website not ranking. So if they're you know, promising immediate results, if they're guaranteeing that you can get the number one result on Google, that's not a good sign either. No one who actually you know, does things with SEO properly can guarantee the number one result in Google because Google changes its algorithm. It's just like, you know, you don't want to work with someone who promises, promises that they're going to get you 10,000 followers on Instagram in two days. Like, they're probably doing something shady if they're getting those results. So if they also don't tell you what they're going to be doing on your website or how long, you know, optimization is going to take, that's pretty shady. If they're just speaking a lot of techie jargon and then they don't explain anything, even if you ask them to explain, that's not a good sign. Um, one thing, if they don't ask you about your business and the types of clients that you're trying to reach, that's not a good sign. Because even if they somehow get you the number one result in Google, it might not be for the keywords that your clients are actually searching for. So you might not even get anything from that. So before you sign up with a company, I would you know make sure you ask them questions. If you don't understand anything that they're saying, ask them to explain it. 
I work with people all the time. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't understand SEO. Can you explain this? I'm like, yes, absolutely. I want you to understand what I'm doing. So if you've been scammed before, you're not alone, but there are like, you know, actual legit people out there. There are a lot of people like me who are actual consultants and not agencies. So, you know, typically they're a lot more transparent because they have more presence on like, you know, Instagram. So if you're, you know, a little wary about signing up with an agency, there are a lot of, you know, consultants. There are a lot of, you know, people who do like website design and SEO or copywriting and SEO. So, you know, they can help you in different ways as well. I love that. And I think that, you know, if we all just stop looking at SEO as some sort of magical thing and realize Mm -hmm. that it's actually a strategy there are proven ways to do it and not do it, then it will be easier to spot the scammers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, another thing that I've been told by a lot of my clients is that they'll sign up with an SEO company and then they'll pay them three to $500 per month and they'll be locked into a contract for at least a year. Do you know what exactly those fees would possibly be covering for that long? So typically nothing. Actually aren't doing anything. Sometimes they'll send you like a monthly report and that's what the fees are covering. Uh, one time someone sent me a proposal that she'd gotten from another SEO agency. And one of the things that they listed on there that was the most expensive out of the other things that they had promised her was buying links, which is also really shady. So I don't think I've mentioned backlinks on here yet, but basically backlinks are, if you do it well, a good SEO strategy because, you know, basically if I'm writing something on my website and, you know, I want to talk about this copywriter that I've worked for and I link to her website. So I'm basically telling Google that I'm endorsing this person. Like I, you know, think their website is good and, you know, I'm endorsing them. So you can jump a lot in the rankings if you get a lot of backlinks like that, especially from, you know, really well-established websites. So if you get, you know, interviewed in your local news and they link to your website, that's really good. If you can write a guest post on a really big website and they link to you, that's really good. But a lot of these shady companies will buy links. So that means that they are working with these established companies to place your link on their website. But they're probably not companies that, you know, your ideal clients are looking at. So you're not really getting any traction from it. And Google is wising up to the actual buying link scheme. So you don't want to be putting, you know, your website out there. You don't even know what website are linking back to yours. It could be like some, you know, really shady, scammy website in Russia that could get shut down by Google the next day. You have no idea. So I would not recommend working with any company that says that they're going to buy links. Mm, Okay. That is good to know. I mean, it's kind of like someone telling you, oh, you can go buy Instagram followers. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You can't buy love. You just Mm -hmm. can't. Like that brand loyalty um, and the fact that you can naturally get Google to fall in love with your website if you just play by their rules, it really negates any reason to um, try to sign up for monthly SEO services. And I appreciate that you flat out tell us, oh, they're pretty much not doing anything. They're just charging Mm -hmm. you a lot of money. (laughs) Like, uh, again, another thing that makes my skin crawl. But okay, so let's say that we've got some designers, stagers, workrooms listening, and they're like, I, I still don't quite understand this. I need some help, but I want to make sure that I don't fall into a scam. So Mm -hmm. um, aside from working with maybe a a consultant like you versus an agency, are there any specific questions they should be asking before they sign on the dotted line? Mm -hmm. So one thing that you can do is you can actually, maybe not every company or consultant will do, do this, but you can ask for an SEO audit of your website. I actually do this with every single one of my clients because I want them to see you know, exactly what I'm going to be doing, you know, what is slowing down their site, if they have broken links or something like that. So an audit will show you what steps they're going to take. So that is something that you can track. So if they say your site's really slow, once they're, you know, done 
like optimizing your website, if you go forward with that, then you can see if your site has actually sped up any, it doesn't look like they've done anything, then like, you know, you have the proof to be like, well, this is where we started and there's, you know, you've done nothing with it. Some other, you know, questions, if they don't want to do an audit or if they don't offer that, you can, you know, just ask them what steps they're going to take to optimize your website. You can ask things like how long it will take. So if they are trying to lock you into a year long contract, it really doesn't take that long to optimize a website unless it has like a ton of really old links or something like that. You can get the bulk of the work done within a few months, typically, but they're probably trying to sign you up so they can send you these monthly reports and make it look like they're doing things. People do actually, you can pay to have monthly reports, but it's typically, you know, they're not locking into you like a 2000 a month uh, year long contract. It's, you know, typically much cheaper and You'll, you can see from the reports that you're getting that they're actually doing work and you're seeing progress. You can even ask them if monthly reporting is required after you know they finish optimizing your website. I would make sure that you ask if they've worked with other businesses that are in your industry and what kind of results that they got or you know how they track the progress. Because if they haven't worked with any interior designers before or don't have any expertise you know relating to interior designers, that's probably not a good sign. There are a lot of you know SEO people who niche down to specific industries like that. Like I just do, you know, kind of more general creative small businesses, but I'm sure there are SEO consultants specifically for interior designers. So you want to make sure they have at least some sort of expertise in your industry before you sign up with them. Yeah, that is key because there are so many nuances to every industry and then the ideal client that the consultant would need to help them attract. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know that most of the people listening who need an SEO consultant are just going to contact you anyway. So <laughs> that's how it goes. And that's why I was excited mm -hmm. to have you on the show because you really do know your stuff. So what resources do you have for people who do want to improve their SEO, either doing it on their own with uh, some of your advice or guidance or totally just having you do it for them? Like what, what options do you have for them? Yeah, so you can work with me like to get everything done on your website. Like I said, I uh, do the audit first. So you can see exactly what I'm doing. If you want to kind of try to do it on your own first or get a sense of SEO before you try to work with someone, I do have a freebie on my website that has a guide for optimizing blog posts plus some videos with Google Analytics and Google Search Console. So you can find that on my website, julierenaconsulting.com slash freebie. I also do have an SEO ebook and an SEO and content course um, that I created with a copywriter. Awesome. I love the resources and the freebie. <laughs> and I hope everyone listening caught that she has a freebie. That's a lead <laughs> magnet. That's part of your sales funnel. And it's super <laughs> important. And I mean, I'm always ranting about this darn sales funnel, but <laughs> that's because it works. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Kate show and just dropping all this knowledge on us. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope this helped. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And we're going to put links to your website and your social media in the show notes so that everybody can connect with you. And again, guys, that's JuliaReneeConsulting.com. I'm sure she has great SEO. So if you just type <laughs> in Julia Renee Consulting, you will find her. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I will chat with you a little bit afterward, Julia. And thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep your marketing simple and your message clear, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com, where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.